This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to cutting through all the confusing marketing BS so you can actually understand how to take action and change your business today. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about cause and purpose-based marketing. And there's definitely been an uptick in this type of marketing, especially during the pandemic. And as you heard us say before, doing good for the community is definitely one way to differentiate and give reason for people to choose you. And actually, some sources report that 58% of young people say a brand's association with a social cause or platform impacts their likelihood of purchasing its products. But there are certain rules that must be followed in order for a brand to fully realize the benefit of cause and purpose-based marketing. And not honoring the rules can result in significant backlash that could have a detrimental impact on your brand and business. But before we get into our four guidelines for effective cause and purpose-based marketing, I think it's important that we hit on a few definitions. Yes. So cause versus purpose, you heard Anne say, and People do use them interchangeably, but really should not. So cause marketing is when you intentionally align your business to a philanthropy, an effort, or a mission in the pursuit of doing something tangible to support the cause. So it's not just saying you align with them. It's actually doing things. So for example, I'll make the Tide reference this time, uh, Tide Loads of Hope is one of the ways. So mobile laundry units and dry cleaners who provide free laundry to victims and first responders in times of a disaster, right? That makes sense with Tide's equity and also very functionally and tactically with the fact that they clean clothes, right? So that one makes sense. Tom's is another example. So the one-to-one business model where you buy shoes and they deliver a free pair to kids in need with every sale that they make. So therefore, you are seeing direct action that makes sense against why they are supporting or promoting or being part of a certain cause. On the other hand, purpose marketing is when you intentionally align your business to a philosophy that adds or proves or just shows your point of view. So you support the philosophy itself, but it may or may not really be associated with a cause. So this makes it inherently muddier for people to see it coming to life and how your purpose is actually authentically connected to the purpose that you are supporting. So sustainability, for example, you can say you promote or you support or you're aligned with sustainability as an example, but if you just say it and you don't do anything about it, that's the difference between purpose and cause. Yeah, and it seems highly nuanced, and it is to some extent, but it's a really important distinction because consumers have different expectations Mm -hmm. from each one. And it's not something that they're going to articulate for you, but it's something you need to be mindful of as you're setting this up because of the rules of the row when it comes to cause and purpose-based marketing. So we're actually going to talk a lot more about the cause marketing as a broader topic, but we're going to pull through some of the purpose marketing as well so you can kind of see how it's nuanced and then you can make the right decision for you about which one is the right uh, it's the right path for your your business. And we're also going to talk a lot about brands as we go along. So we're not going to have like the third section as we traditionally do because we're going to intertwine them with their discussion. So without further ado, because that was a long setup, but thought it was very necessary. Let's get into the four guidelines for effective cause and purpose-based marketing. Okay, so for the first one, it's rooted in the brand equity, which shared common values to make it easy and authentic to talk about. And April gave a little bit of this in the definition, but it's extremely important that you be mindful here about the layers of messaging that are going to take place when you partner with a cause or you partner with a purpose. So if you think about it, you have to declare that you're going to have this cause and purpose. You have to declare why you have this cause and purpose. So your brand message may come like tertiary to all that. So you really want the cause and purpose that you're aligned to to make immediate sense Mm -hmm. for your consumer. So you want them to be like, oh, yeah, totally makes sense. And I like it. So so they don't want them questioning or like being skeptical about why you're doing it. 
And so it's very, very important that you think about the the relationship you have with this cause that's going to make that connection and make it very, very obvious. So for example, uh, this is one that I was worked a ton on when I was in Fabric Care and uh, at PNG, and April already mentioned this, Tide Loads of Hope. As she said, it's an applied torture test for clean. So yes, it's a mobile washing unit that goes um, to support disasters, but they're washing clothes, and that is a torture test for the power of Tide Clean. So it's very intertwined. People understand why we're doing it and make sense why we're doing it. Another is NFL Play 60. So that's a fight against childhood obesity by promoting exercise. It makes total sense why the NFL would be pro- promoting exercise as a way to manage childhood obesity. Again, a very strong connection. That It's a very obvious connection that doesn't take a lot of explanation. Pampers, they have a vaccine program for infants. Again, it makes total sense that somebody who cares or a brand that cares for the baby in the way that the Pampers has done that would also care for their health, their overall health. Pantene Beautiful Links, again, makes a ton of sense. You have to have strong hair, healthy hair, in order to be able to donate it. And then the cause of being able to provide that strong, healthy hair to cancer patients in a way that makes them feel confident. So very much intertwined with all that. And I know... April, you have several other examples too. Yeah. So the first one I'll talk about here is Dove Real Beauty. And actually, we will offer the nuance here that this is a purpose-based example. So this is arguably, in our opinion, what started the real women movement. So now you see it in clothing stores and model images, you know, real people versus super skinny models. But Dove kind of paved the way for that with their Real Beauty campaign and where they started to show that healthy skin did not necessarily only tie to one type of woman. Mm -hmm. And so they have, you know, and Ann and I actually talked about this one a lot setting up for this. They've really come to represent Real Beauty versus the products or, you know, what they actually provide as far as the skincare goes. So like Anne said, that's an example of one where the brand message is perhaps not as rooted in the products they sell or, you know, what you actually do with the products, all of that, but they've become synonymous with this idea of real beauty. And they've had significant success. So sales pretty, you know, quickly jumped from 2.5 to 4 billion in the the first several years of the campaign. So that's an example of one that you can see it working and linking with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And then the second one I have here is box tops for education. So this is for any of you with young kids, you're probably familiar with this campaign. Uh, or money old kids. It was around when my kids were old, old kids. Yeah. I guess not small kids, <laughs> but yeah, it's been around for a long time. So uh, I think 1996 was the first year for this. But this was taking products that families already buy, and the box top program allowed them to. Well, then clip the box tops off the boxes, say that five times quick, and send them in to different um, to have money allocated to different schools or school systems Mm -hmm. that they were involved with. So they've recently then transitioned to the scannable tops. So, you know, moving along with technology, now you don't have to cut them out and mail them in, but continuing the program so that, you know, families that are already going to buy these products anyway have a way to impact education for their children by being part of doing something relatively simple, but that clearly has been around for, you know, 25, if I'm doing my math right, years, and continuing that obviously has good success or else it wouldn't be around anymore. Um, And little anecdote here. One of the things that indicates when a cause is really rooted in people's psyches and and really wanting to be a part of it, um, there's a little boy named Wesley who my mom actually, I don't know if she actually scans now or if she still cuts him out, but she's been collecting for Wesley for years. And his Facebook page, he was trying to get to 1 million box tops for his school before he graduated. So cute little anecdote there. You can see Wesley proudly counting on his <laughs> Facebook page of how many he's gotten to and all of that. But you know, you can see the power that these types of things have when they really become rooted in society and have meaning for people to participate. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it becomes a differentiator, too, for some of these products, too. I mean, cereals is a big one, right? Yeah, for it started so, with cereal, yep. Right. And so if you a cereal that happens to have that, that could be a differentiating factor for somebody to, to choose you. And yeah. it makes sense that it would be on there because yeah. kids are eating cereal, right? Yeah. I mean, my mom literally went through all of the cabinets of her children, and we were scolded that we weren't purchasing products that Wesley could get box tops from. So yeah. there you go. There you go. <laughs> now, there's also some examples of not-so-good <laughs> Uh, ties to to brand equity here. Um, so one of the ones who got uh, a lot of publicity was Pepsi. And um, this actual one didn't get too far beyond the commercial. But if you um, recall the Kendall Jenner commercial, and it was all rooted in the police and uh, racial relationships. Um, and it was a disaster in partially <laughs> and probably a large part due to the fact that it wasn't their equity. Mm-mm. So that became a really big problem with people. It was like, why is Pepsi telling me um, and why is Kendall Jenner leading the charge, if you will, that uh, uh, between police and, and racial relationships? Now, I think if anybody was going to try this, Coke and their happiness campaign mm-hmm. could have taken a stab. But even, Share a Coke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But even they didn't even want to go there. No. So it's, it's just an example of if, you know, trying to really align with a purpose that may not be real authentic for your brand. Mm -hmm. And that one really proactively took on a major issue of the time where to ask a beverage brand to address it really probably wasn't a a good move in in total. So, and I mean, I have a a similar unfortunate one, um, the NFL's End Racism Zone, which was portrayed next to the Chiefs logo on the field. And so this one is not super effective for a couple of reasons. One thing is the juxtaposition just against the Chiefs logo. And, you know, as we've all heard, there's lots of opinions out there about where the racism conversation goes and how far it goes. And one of the things that's come under fire are all of these team names. And so the Chiefs, obviously, you know, Native American references, um, some questions, you know, on both sides or, or opinions on a lot of sides, another emotionally charged discussion. But then they confuse people by putting the end racism right up against the chief's logo without any sort of perspective and asking people to interpret that however they would. And so mm-hmm. I think it left people scratching their heads of like, well, what is the perspective here and what am I supposed to take away from it and highlight an issue that's already an issue? And so it really landed pretty flat because people were like, what, what, what is the outcome of this intended to be? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that one. And the last one I'll talk about here is uh, Dunkin' Donuts. And Ann and I actually have somewhat different perspectives yeah. on this, which yeah, is, which, which happens. Um, But, you know, their VP of product came out and said, you know, we're not Starbucks. We're not political. We just want you to get in and out of our stores and it's donuts and ice cream. So let's all just be happy. And they came under fire with this one as being somewhat tone deaf, because like Ann said, there is this proliferation of cause marketing. And one of the ways that brands can be authentic or not, is to align themselves with causes. And so the perspective here was, well, you can't expect your brand to be successful if you won't even participate in the conversation. And in fact, you know, Matthew McCarthy, Ben and Jerry's CEO, is known for saying, go like hell after purpose. Businesses that don't do the thing they set out to do and tackle social change might actually be dead. They just don't know it yet. And so that's one side uh, of the commentary there. But I think the point that I'm making is just make sure that you don't oversimplify or sidestep something that could potentially impact you, even if you're trying to promote positive well-being and those types of things. Yeah. And I think the <laughs> the 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 I, I disagree with McCarthy a little bit. And this is the kind of conversation that we've had mm-hmm. um, off, offline and preparing for this is that there is a very fine line between publicity stunt mm-hmm. and purpose-driven marketing, mm-hmm. right? If you're not intentionally doing it well, and this happens to probably about 95% of the people, they're going to fall over on that publicity stunt piece, and it's really going to damage your brand. And I think that's actually what Martin was trying to get at. Um, now, did he say it 
eloquently <laughs> in a way that was actually you know proactive. Probably not. He probably shouldn't have said anything, to be totally honest. The message is right. And I think what he was like really trying to say here is like sometimes it's not the a brand job mm-hmm. to make and stand up for that position. Mm-hmm. Now, and that's we're gonna get into this here, you know, a little bit um later in the conversation, which is the intention for which you do want to align your brand. And if you're not ready to do that, if you're not ready to support it, if you're not ready to action against it, you gotta be really careful about what you decide to say, when you decide to say it, how you're gonna say it. Again, it goes back to those rules of engagement when you're doing p- cause and purpose-based marketing. Yeah, and I, I do agree with that perspective. I mean, we respectfully debated it, as we say. <laughs> um, but I do think Anne's point about, well, then you just should have said we're about donuts and ice cream and happiness versus taking any sort of stance that then Agreed. put him under fire. Yeah, I agree. So. I agree with that. The second guideline for effective cause on purpose-based marketing, efforts are sustaining versus moment in time. And this has been a very big discussion as of recent, especially with regards to the pandemic, because there's a natural mm-hmm. inclination and a desire to do good. And like I said earlier, you definitely should consider that as part of your business strategy. It's definitely a differentiating factor. The thing you got to remember is the time frame. So a moment in time donation or activation is actually called charity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is really important and you should do that. I mean, it's 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 something definitely if you want your your business and your brand to be a part of, that is totally legitimately great. And like one example is all these businesses who's rallied around providing um dinners for first responders mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing. That's that is a great thing to go do. So I don't want you guys to hear me wrong, but what I want you guys to understand is that in a moment of time is charity. If your business or your brand cannot authentically connect in a way that's really natural, in a way that you sh- can naturally talk about that, then you shouldn't. You, know, you shouldn't be going and patting yourself on the back because then it looks like you're actually taking advantage of the situation for your own self-promotion. And that is where the detrimental piece <laughs> really starts coming in. So unless you're like really a restaurant or a delivery service or something like that, Continue to do good, but be very, very careful of how much you actually promote it. Take it as charity. Take it as doing good, but don't overly promote it. Another way that this tends to happen is (laughs) I call it blackmailing for (laughs) donations or for sales or engagement, okay? So (laughs) this actually was pretty popular at P&G for a long time. Um, we used to do, um, for every retweet, we'll donate a dollar to insert charity. Um, a lot of businesses still do that now. Um, another one is for every purchase, 30 cents, if you will, goes to, and I'm just going to pick one, like breast cancer awareness during the month of October. So that's a, you know, a big time that everybody starts talking about that. Um, this is where brands tend to get themselves in trouble. And actually, there is terms for this. So during October, when everybody's doing the pink, it's called pink washing. Right. And it's all these brands who are trying to jump on this cause in a way to drive publicity for their business. But it's not authentic. Again, this is a moment of time. I'm not saying you shouldn't go do it if you don't if you feel compelled to go do it. But just keep in mind that it's considered charity. It's considered something that you're doing that's altruistic in that moment, but not necessarily something that's extendable for your brand and your brand equity. All right, we got into a little bit of um, discussion on this when uh, for Tidelots of Hope. You have to watch if it's a cause tied to your business or your brand specifically, because those donations then start getting questioned about are they going back to the brand? Are they actually supporting the brand's profits or are they actually going to the charity? So you have mm-hmm. to really separate church and state to make sure that all of that is rectified and you have a very clear message behind that. Now, on the flip side, this has worked really well for a lot of businesses. So we talked about Tom's. Bomba Socks is another one. A lot of people are doing this. But I think it's really important for you guys to understand that this is a business model for them. It is part of their business. They can't do it unless they have figured in the all the costs associated with it, the profit loss associated mm-hmm. with it, and how they're going to actually amplify it in order to make it part of their marketing and promotional campaigns so that it feels integrated into their, their brand equity and their business model. Because if you don't, 
it can bankrupt you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of businesses go Quite under. literally. Yeah, as a result of this. So it can work, but not if it bankrupts you. And you just need to make sure, too, that if you want something like this, if it, especially if it's not as obvious to become part of your brand architecture, then you have to make sure that it's consistent and ongoing. So you have to reserve the money to do this. You have to reserve the staffing to do this. Sometimes you need partnerships in order to make it happen. So, for example, for Tide Loads of Hope, we, we hired a um, – a local uh, philanthropy called Matthew 25 Ministries who had all the logistical um, abilities to be able to deploy. It allowed us to do more deployments, and they were able to be a better on-the-ground resource for us. So that helped us in making sure that we were um, focusing on what was important um, for the brand, and then we left the other stuff that was also very, very important, but maybe not as much in our wheelhouse, to somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, and I think Anne said a lot of important things there, but what sticks with me is kind of the separation and the perspective of why you're doing what you're doing. So we talk a lot about brands being part of the community, and certainly right now, everybody is looking for a sense of community. So it's great if you you know donated money or meals or whatever, no matter what business you are. That's not what we're saying, and that's not what Ann said about not going and doing it. But it takes a lot more strategic planning and wherewithal, quite frankly, to say that you're going to tie it directly to your brand and expect results from that. And so the one thing that I would caution here is, yes, and Ann said, make sure that it's actually aligned and it makes sense and people get it right away and then that they like it. But then right on the heels of that is making sure that you're going to do the work to sustain it and continue at every turn to be very clear about what is and is not a part of that initiative and what you're doing, whether it's money spent or with the loads of hope, maybe how many locations you're going to mm-hmm. or what's the cap for the year, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It really needs to be part of your business and brand planning in order to pull it off so that it's not inauthentic, et cetera. And then the last thing I will say is making sure that you are doing both things. So don't spend millions and millions of dollars on these one-off things and get sucked in and bleeding hard and, oh, I want to you know help. It's great to want to help, but make sure that you're spending money in kind with what is sustainable for the business so that you don't get stuck in a situation where you're just giving handouts to no avail. Yep. Agreed. Good point. All right. So our third guideline for effective cause and purpose-based marketing is integrate into your brand and its channels. Yeah. So I'll take that one. Um, You know, once you've made the decision to the previous points made that this is really going to be a cause for your organization, then you have to and should leverage it all the ways that you possibly can that makes sense for your brand. So The more that people see it, uh, the more that it feels integrated, the more that they see your brand alongside with the cause that you're talking about, then consumers aren't as nervous that you're doing this as a promotion or a ploy of some kind or, you know, flash in the pan, but that you actually believe in it and therefore are putting your money quite literally in most cases where your mouth is. And so... I think there's an inherent skepticism out there. You know, Mm -hmm. we've talked in previous episodes about how savvy consumers are. And the last thing they want is to feel like they've been tricked. And so you have to do the work. And part of that is making sure that the cause is showing up with your brand. So one of the examples that Ann and I have talked about is Macy's Believe campaign alongside the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Now, the time thing is is definitely checked here. I mean, they've been doing it for over 15 years. But the idea is that it was a donation-based campaign where you would write letters to Santa, and then they would be tied to making the wish come true based on the money earned for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And if you go to their website, it's very closely tied. It highlights the latest story, the very first one for January of 2021. Then there's the history of all the kids that they've helped previously. There is a very clear link behind the magic of Christmas and making wishes come true for kids. And they then feature it in the time of year 
where, you know, we're writing letters to Santa, but then sustain it all the way through the year with the proof of all the kids that have been helped for that year. So, for example, the one for this year was a little girl who wanted to be a fashion designer and she's six years old with leukemia. And so they sent her to New York. She got to design her own dress. And then they actually went above and beyond. And her dress, her label, if you will, is going to actually be produced under the ink brand. And so she'll actually see her dress coming to life. And so you can tell both with, you know, the fact that it's sustaining and there's however many kids every year that they're helping, but then also the stories of going above and beyond to make the experience that much more impactful. You can see that Macy's is really invested in making dreams come true for these kids and also authentically partnering with a major organization that does just that. Right. And I think this is a really great example of one that probably started as not as much of an obvious connection. Fair. Right. Aside from the example you gave is a very tightly organized execution. So that one is 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 brilliant. But it's the commitment yes. to it year upon year and the, the way that they portrayed it and how much they invested behind it and mm-hmm. how much they um you know, they showcased it and it became almost a tradition. So mm-hmm. I mean I give Macy's like a tremendous amount of props for for doing it in that way. And so then nobody questions it. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks it's exploitive. Everybody celebrates it. They mm-hmm. look forward to it. And so that is what that goes back to that power of longevity. And so if you have a passion and for your business that maybe is not as obvious, it's I want I want you guys to hear that it's okay to potentially explore that. You just have to consider the fact that it's not, if it's not as obvious, it's going to take more time mm-hmm. for it to legitimize itself, and you're going to have to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. to make sure that you are hitting all of those points that the consumers need to. To, to know about your relationship with this organization or align with this mission so that they can overcome the skepticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a ton of transparency in addition to it showing up everywhere, again, synonymous with the Macy's brand. So now people come to look forward to it instead of having any skepticism. I think that's exactly right. Yep. All right. Our fourth point here, be strategic in how and when you will promote your cause. Yes. So I also set myself up nicely for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys know I love all things strategy. We just talked about the Macy's example and the fact that that is a year-long campaign, but you don't necessarily see the promotion for it all year long. You see the mm-hmm. results of it throughout the course of the year. So the point of that and the point of this one is, again, to plan – and be choiceful and authentic in how you're going to go about promoting your cause. So I made the comment before about making sure that it's a business priority. I mean, Anne talked about you could literally bankrupt yourself if you don't have this planned for. Uh, Make sure that you are being very pragmatic and conscientious about how you are putting your cause with your brand and where throughout the year. And Look for opportunities to always be elevating, linking it in, trying new things, but in an authentic way that makes sense. So we would caution against ever forcing anything. Don't jump on the bandwagon. You've heard us say that today in in several instances. If you want to give, give out of the goodness of your heart as a charitable donation. Here we're talking about business decisions where you choose a cause that is linked directly to your brand in a meaningful way, whether you have to plant the seeds and there are less obvious connections, but making that commitment so that, yes, you get the credit, but you also get people's authentic reactions and commitment on your behalf of your cause and partnership with those, whatever those things may be. Yeah. And two points that I'll, uh, I'll add there. One is you know, there might be some natural time frames for when your cause is playing. So like, for example, you know, if you're very aligned with breast cancer awareness, I mean, that's, a, you know, October is a, a time frame for that. But even with title as a hope, um, most deployments happen in spring and fall for obvious reasons. That's big tornado season, big hurricane season. So that was a natural time for us. We had to manage that with the rest of our calendar to make sure that when we were talking about those things, it weren't drowned out by something else. We didn't dilute the impact on our brand or our business by having too many things out there at once. And we didn't diminish 
uh, the efforts that we're putting behind those um, the, the deployments or any of our other brand efforts um, and making sure that they each had their their time in the sun, if you will. Um, so that's one point I wanted to say. That's why, you know, strategically actually planned out. Um, and you should be able to find natural times in order to link that in or natural cultural moments in time in order to connect. The other point to make here is, and this is the hardest thing for when you're doing a cause um, to really wrap your mind now around is that you're going to have to say no sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you have to really protect your mission of your cause. If you don't, it starts diluting. So, for example, Tidelos of Hope is always focused on natural disasters. We've asked, been asked many times, will you bring you know the truck for this cause that maybe it's related to poverty or this cause related to something else? And it's really hard to say no because you want to do good. It's a struggle because you want to do good for everybody. But you got to remember that this is a brand marketing effort and it needs to be treated as such, which means it needs to have parameters, which means you're going to have to say no. There's only some limited budget. There's only limited time. There's only limited resources. And you have to really be protective of that. It's going to make you feel like crap. I'll tell you from my experience, it makes you feel bad to have to mm-hmm. say no. But this is where you're going to have to play both brain sets, if you will, like your left and your right brain, where you have to balance the emotional with the pragmatic and the practical. Um, so that's just a, the two points from my experience that I feel like are really important to keep in mind as you're thinking about strategically how this is going to come to life. Yeah. And I think it is. It's the business versus the heart, right? Yeah. So I think that having the plan actually can serve as a way to objectively say no and feel less bad. I mean, obviously, you're a person, you're a human, so you feel bad. But I think if if this is all set up properly, you're very clear in the marching orders of the business and what it will and will not do, which I think can mm-hmm. help with some of those feelings. Agree. Yep. Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. All right. So those are your four guidelines for effective cause and purpose-based marketing. Now we're going to get into the end of trenches questions where we're going to dig even deeper into some of our experiences and some of the questions we've gotten from people on this topic. So our first one, it seems like everyone posts around certain events like Gay Pride Month, Black History Month, Women's Equality Day. Is it expected that businesses post? Will people perceive us negatively if we don't? All right, I'm going to take this one because, again, a lot of experience with this working on um, uh, corporate brands at P&G and then also talking to a lot of our clients mm-hmm. who um, are uh, experiencing this kind of dilemma within especially their, their social strategies. And this is what we tell them, really, is that it's it has to be aligned with your brand or business. Now, the thing is, is that a lot of people kind of mix their again, their personal missions and their personal passions with what the business actually should express through that. So you have to keep that really separate in your mind Um, because, again, a lot of these are very emotionally triggered. A lot of these are very much um, personal motivations, but you have to kind of understand how are people going to be receiving that from your brand, not necessarily from you. And you have to consider the consumer, your consumer as a whole and understand, okay, well, there might be a segment of my consumer who's going to really appreciate this. Is there a larger segment of my, com- my consumer who is not? If the, if the downside outweighs the upside, it is probably not worth it, to be totally honest. And again, you may feel so compelled because everybody is doing it, but we can tell you from experience, forcing it is worse than not doing it at all. And the other thing, again, as I, I mentioned, you have to really carefully watch for is your personal brand and how your personal brand is actually aligning with these, especially if your personal brand is very closely linked with your business. Mm-hmm. So if you're a front for your business, if you're a spokesperson for your business, if you are like, the face of your business, you need to really consider what your personal point of views 
are and how you are demonstrating those personal point of views because a lot of people are going to associate those then with your business. And it's really hard to keep them separate. And I think the final thing I'll say about this is that if you choose to do something here, consider again everything that we've talked about, about the moment of time and the charity aspect. If you want to promote something, you have to put action and support behind it, ideally more than just in that moment. So for example, if you want to support Gay Pride for the, the month that it, um, we celebrate that, though we should celebrate it all year round, um, you should probably participate in a Gay Pride parade. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's a little bit more tangible for your consumer to see that this is something that you are really conscientiously tying your brand to. If you know, Black Lives Matters is important to you, if Black History Month is important to you and really cultivating you know, Black culture in, in, in the state of, uh, of our Black community, maybe you should be doing things at the Boys and Girls Club in order to really uh, to mentor, to coach, in order to like really uh, substantially support that community. So make sure that you're putting your your actions behind the words. It's just not enough just to say that you're aligned with these these um, purpose-based missions anymore. Yeah. And I would sum it up by saying, if you put something out there, expect reactions. Yeah. If you do not do it, I would highly doubt that you're going to get any sort of backlash for not. So I would just keep that in your head. Like I mentioned before that consumers are skeptical, right? So if you put something out there, people are going to have positive and negative reactions. But I don't necessarily think that there are people going around trying to catch people not supporting causes. So if you Mm -hmm. opt out and you're just not part of the conversation, it doesn't mean that you don't personally support it or, you know, care about it or a link to it outside of the business or whatever the the case might be. It just isn't the right choice for your business to participate. Great. All right. Our second in the trenches question. April, is it okay to use celebrities to endorse a cause? All right. So, Celebrity platform can be a great way to gain exposure, build your community quickly, get an endorsement, but it must be part of their brand too. They have to have the connection that we've been talking about throughout this entire episode. You don't just go and pick someone because they're the fill in the blank singer, athlete, actress, whatever of the day, and you happen to like them or you think their popularity is going to do something for you. It doesn't make sense. You're going to get reactions like I was just talking about, and they're no matter what going to distract from your brand purpose because there is not a connection that people can make to them. Now, there are certainly ones out there that we've seen, you know, that make sense. But just remember that it's going to be the celebrity personality and reputation First, in a lot of cases, and then the brand product, et cetera, that you're selling. So I'll use one. You know, Jennifer Aniston has been closely tied over the years to several different brands. Aveeno Skincare makes sense. She's always talked about skin and and staying healthy and as you age and all of that kind of stuff. They're about ageless uh, skincare. So therefore, it makes a ton of sense. Smart Water was another one. Again, she's largely health-based. The partnership ended a few years ago, but she was notorious for saying she drank at least 100 ounces of that water every day, right? So you could see that there was a connection to the brand itself. Living Proof, she's a co-owner of that one. That was pretty overt and out there. So the point of this is she's a celebrity, yes, but whenever she was tied to products and brands, there was some personal reason why she was a part of that. Jessica Alba is another one with The Honest Company, right? And having children and, you know, being in that stage of life that therefore she wanted better products. And so she has a hand and part owner too and creating that brand and has become synonymous with that. So those are the authentic ways in which it works. But like the conversation we've been having to just hire someone for the sake of hiring someone At best, your brand's going to get lost. At worst, you're going to confuse people and they're not going to understand and therefore they're going to sniff out the inauthenticity and opt out completely. So we would say just be careful. I mean, it's another level of heightened concern and really, you know, making sure that it makes a ton of sense. And the last thing I'll say here is with 
cameras on phones, social media, all of those things. Just remember that when your celebrity becomes under fire for something, you very well could, unfortunately, too, because we're seeing everything that everyone's doing these days. Right, and I think the examples you gave are good examples of just the overarching branded marketing endorser yeah. like lesson absolutely without a doubt yes and so this i think even when you're doing cause um and very highly like purpose driven mm-hmm. marketing is like almost like even a double click beyond that fair very right? fair so um I go right to the brand. Yeah, so you go right to that, which is good. And those those are really, really fantastic examples. One that I'll give, like that's like even a double kick from that is like Kristen Bell. So everybody knows that she like is has a personal passion for sloths. She is partnered with the WWF. She's done all of this work and this activism work in order to help protect the sloths. If you are going to be a business that is going to protect slaws or animals in general, she would be a really good spokesperson mm-hmm. in order to be able to promote that. She could speak authentically from that point of view. So make sure to, yes, they absolutely have to be aligned with the brand first and foremost. I think that's a really good point. And then you need to double click down to make sure, you know, that they can also speak authentically uh-huh. to whatever that cause is. So they don't just look like a puppet that yeah. is promoting um, a cause on your behalf. So yep. I think that's really good way of like structuring all that up yeah totally fair all right our third question do we need to create our own cause or is it okay to partner with someone else's and actually either works um the same guidelines apply but creating your own could tend to be a little bit more expensive a little bit more resource intensive but it can actually be more customized. So, for example, the Tylos of Hope, um, the Pantene Beautiful Links, those are definitely customized in order to make sure that the brand is very much and very intimately tied to the whole concept behind the cause. As we talked, you have to watch out between the the lines blurring and making sure that you don't look like you're self-promoting your brand in pursuit of the cause itself, which Mm -hmm. I remember I just, I talked about the the donation for the yellow tops of Tide. It's like, well, I'm going to buy that anyway. Aren't you just basically like, you know, taking the money that I'm, I'm, I'm getting and putting it towards your brand? We were not, by the way, but we had to showcase and we had to make sure that we were really separating church and state there so that it the money was going to the right place. So there is some nuances depending on which one that you want to go with. Um, that was one example. If you're going to do it for yourself, if you're going to do it with somebody else, like, Macy's did very well is try to find something you can own within it, something that you can make yours and something that you can develop into a campaign that is going to live within your brand and your brand's equity um, going forward. Uh, And don't just get caught up in being part of the, if you will, the pink washing or, you know, sustainability, it's the green washing um, and and really differentiate that so that you can stand out uh, amongst everybody else is also doing it. Yeah, and and I would just add one more thing, which is if you are going to create the cause, again, we said all those rules apply. So make sure it's tied to your business and your brand. If you're the owner, it's not personal agenda without any connection. And, you know, give it a reason to exist that makes sense through that lens instead of just being something you like or personally passionate about. Agreed. Agreed. All right, our fourth question, is there a reason why I shouldn't do cause marketing? It kind of goes back to our little bit of our debate. Um, So yes, there actually is. So as we had mentioned, if you cannot sustain the program with respect to money and resources, you really need to consider whether or not you're going to start it to begin with, because this is an all-in thing. This, again, it's not something that you do on a moment-in-time basis. Like we said, that's called charity. If you want it to be systemically tied to your brand and something that you could truly leverage as part of your brand equity, then you have to be able to consistently support it. Now, that's even true with purpose, like as um, the example that April gave on Dove Real Beauty, that was a very big investment. They had to really think about, hey, is this something we're going to tie our brand forever to? Mm-hmm. Because in, we're making a big statement here. We're making a, you know, a, a, a we have a big point of view here. 
if we want to tie our brand to this mission, we're going to have to make sure that it's perpetuated through every single touch point that we do. There can't be any place where we seem hypocritical. Mm-hmm. So that is a big investment as well in the in the effort, in the design, in the way that you're going to structure your brand and whether you're going to take it forward. And I would also say to that one, making sure that it is sustainable long term and broad enough that you can continue to do new things. Because as you heard us say before, when we talked about that Dove example, they were one of the first ones, right? So they got credit there. But if you're going to be one of the first ones, then you have to be figuring out What's next? What's next? So when the real women are permeating every single channel and, you know, hypothetically, if the typical model, quote unquote, that we're used to seeing goes away, is that going to be enough for Dove to stand for anymore? They're going to have to figure out what real beauty means in the new context out there versus when it's just the new norm. Right. And then you also have to be the ones who's going to take the risks on um, pushing it too far because that's happened before yep. too. Yep. So you have to be brave. But there's also another point I want to make here too is that there is a, a dark side mm-hmm. um, yep. that a lot of people won't talk about. Um, and this is the kind of the skepticism to the next level, which is people always believe you should be doing more. Yeah. Especially if you're a big brand or a big business. Um they always think you should be doing more. So you really need a well-developed structure, as we've talked about before. You need your an out strategy to some extent mm-hmm. so that you can make it very clear what your principles are here so people understand that. And you also have to have a really developed message track that's going to be consistent in its empathy as well as its function so, for example, when we did Titles of Hope, every time we deployed, people are always wanting us to um, come to their place, right? Mm-hmm. We couldn't always come to everybody's place. And mostly it's because of logistical reasons. Some places just can't accommodate mm-hmm. um, the kind of services that we were going to provide. And the last thing we wanted to do was overwhelm, mm-hmm. right? The problem is a lot of people who are very emotionally connected to these causes, whether it's Titles of Hope or others, have a hard time understanding the rational side of what you're mm-hmm. saying. So you have to be very, very careful on how and when you actually say something. And that's actually a big learning that we had um, as a brand is about not only what you say, but it's like, when do you actually say something, right? And that's what Matthew 25 really helped us understand um, and become empathetic to because they were the ones that had spent all this time on the ground and can really guide us in that. So you have to really think about the, that side and it's and you don't really want to go there because you're doing good and you're feeling good that to think about the, the dark side and having to think about okay what could this actually do that could bring my brand down because actually in the process of doing good you can bring your brand down as we've said some of these examples be very proactive in developing um that message track that out strategy really understand the situation that you're getting yourself into so that you can be empathetic and be constructive all at the same time. Yeah, I think those are really great points. Yeah. Our last in the trenches question. There are a lot of brand jumping on the bandwagons to do good for COVID. How do we know what we can, should do, or if there isn't a clear path, is it better to steer clear? Yeah, so we've we've talked about this, you know, a lot today, making sure that there is that direct link. So I think we're better served here to just give some examples that bring the point home and again make the statement that if you choose not to, don't assume you're gonna come under attack for not doing anything. So mm-hmm. let's just start there. But if we're thinking about everything we have seen out there, there has been tons and tons of reactions and examples of brands where it makes sense or where it doesn't. So I will talk first about masks, okay? So a lot of the clothing stores are now producing masks. There's Gap, there's Zara, there's Old Navy, there's Target. Everyone has their version of masks. If you're in the clothing or personal apparel brand space, it's making sense, right? Because everybody's brands are looking a little bit different. If they're a brand where 
you like credit for wearing their logo, okay, well, then their masks are probably branded, right? Or if you're a very style-oriented brand, we're seeing masks with colors and textures of the season. That is a direct connect, makes a ton of sense, and these companies are able to provide masks that allow people to express themselves when you can't see their whole face, right? Okay. There's another one that came up, which is BrewDog, which is a, a a brewery, obviously, making beer. And they've been applauded actually in the media for creating hand sanitizer. And personally, when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, good for them. I mean, you know, we all need more of that in our life. But I can't for the life of me, and if anyone out there can answer it for me, please do. I have no idea why that made sense other than that they found a way to do it. And so I'm left scratching my head with that one thinking, I just, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I, again, good for them, but why? I mean, if it was tequila, maybe I'd understand. Yeah, I'm like, are we, I mean, I went down the whole path in my head. Sanitization, right? I think that helps a lot. Yeah, I'm like, okay, drinking beer. Does it clean your system? No. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm like picturing them mixing up the hand sanitizer with the brewing of the beer and wondering like, are people drinking hand sanitizer? You know, all these things go in my head. But the point is the fact that it didn't make sense. So therefore, I was trying to figure it out. And as a brand person, I cannot make the connection. So that's bad news. Now, going back to masks, Nike, on the other hand, developed performance masks. That makes a ton of sense. Their brand equity is tied in performance and helping people be athletes and being able to perform better. Direct connection with equity, different than the clothing masks where that makes sense from a fashion perspective. This makes sense for a let me go and do whatever I need Mm -hmm. to do. And they look very different from each other. So those are a couple of examples, right? And masks and hand sanitizer all over the place during COVID. But I think that those examples help put a bow on everything we've been talking about today, which if it makes direct sense and the consumer is going to go, oh, yeah, okay, and I like it as Anne set things up, that's great. If not, I don't know. I wouldn't really recommend that BrewDog go make a bunch of hand sanitizer instead of beer. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I'm glad you mentioned BrewDog, too, because a lot of the examples that we're giving are big brand examples. And the reason why we're giving big brand examples is because they're the easiest for you to go and research against and see what they're doing. Digest, understand. And those sorts of things. But just understand, like, the principles for this are across industry. They're across business size. They're... They're scalable to whatever budget you have. So I don't want you guys to take away either that you shouldn't do anything if you don't have the money or Mm -hmm. the size or the big brand Mm -hmm. to be behind it. You just have to be really thoughtful and go through the principles that we talked about in order to figure out what's the right thing for you. But don't feel that you have to absolutely do something in order to show up and be able to have a... Uh, something to say in that moment um, because it can have the opposite effect mm-hmm. um, that that April said. So think about all those things. Please take into consideration that even though we gave you big brand examples, the same guidelines apply to small brands and small businesses that um, we've consulted with as well with regards to uh, cause and purpose-based marketing. And because we've already given you all of these incredible brand examples, like we said, we're not going to highlight just one. But instead, we're going to let you uh, take all of this, digest it, and go exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. Mention you heard about us here, and we will give you a free 30-minute consultation. You can also share any topics you want us to cover, which helps us give real-world support to our listeners in real time. And if you learned something impactful, please share with a friend and don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.